hey, as a family, we want to be generous and we want to spread joy. And just each and every morning, I'm telling the kids, what are you going to make today? The best day ever. And what are you going to do at school? Spread joy. Welcome to The Art of Fatherhood, a podcast that takes you on the journey of fatherhood. Now here's your host, Art Eddy. What's going on, everybody? Already here for another edition of the Art of Fatherhood podcast. I'm very happy to have this guy. Not only is a great dad, but he also gives forward through his uh, different foundations and drops a lot of great knowledge on his podcast and also has a book out. We're going to talk about a whole bunch of things. It's another than Eric Wood. Thanks for taking the time, sir. How you doing? I'm doing great. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, man. Looking forward to chatting about football, chatting about your podcast, your book, and uh, your foundation, all that good stuff. But love bringing good guys like yourself. And if people follow you on social media, you are a family man. You you love being a dad. But take me back when you found out you're going to be a dad for the first time. What was going through your mind, sir? Wow, that's a great question. So, you know, I sympathize with those that tried a lot longer than us. But, we, you know, we tried for six months. I grew up Catholic. And so you were under the impression that the first time you you tried to have a baby, you were going to have a baby. And so six months felt like a very long time. And my wife told me at our favorite sushi spot one day that uh, that she was pregnant with our daughter. So I was so excited. It's been the biggest blessing ever to be Grace and Garrett's dad. Love it, man. And yeah, again, like it shows that you have compassion because you're saying like, for those who have taken longer to get pregnant, like there's all those things. I think it was like the April Fool's joke, like, oh, we're pregnant. How? Just joking. And like a lot of people who were trying to get pregnant, like it's not really funny. So again, just showing the compassion. And I think compassion is probably some of the values that you're going to look to instill into your kids, but also on your social media handles. And you also use it a lot. Proverbs verse 1125, where a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. So it's almost like now, like translated is like pay it forward. Right. And, and you'll feel good. So talk about some of the values you're looking to instill into them. Yeah. And and I also abide by the proverb, raise them up in the way they will that you want them to go and they will not stray from that. And so for us, our family verse is Proverbs 1125. We want to spread joy. And look, you know, I, I want to take the pressure off my children. They're going to have enough pressure on them. A dad that's a professional athlete living in Louisville, Kentucky, which is not the biggest city in the country. And so people are familiar that those are my kids. And so I want to take the pressure off them as much as I can and just saying, hey, as a family, we want to be generous and we want to spread joy. And just each and every morning, I'm telling the kids, what are you going to make today? The best day ever. And what are you going to do at school? Spread joy. Like, let's make it plain and simple. And then, you know, I try and instill kind of little mantras like that with with sports. And, and this look, these didn't all these aren't my original ideas. I've I've taken advice from other fathers out there. And, you know, before sporting events, you know, what are the three rules? Try your hardest, listen to your coaches and have fun. Like, let's make it simple. You don't have to have the best game ever. You don't have to have the best dance performance, whatever it may be. But those are the three rules that we live by when we are going to a sporting event. And so we try and instill those little, whether they are rules or mantras, however we can, just to make it crystal clear to them that, look, there's not a lot of pressure on you, but this is how the Wood family is going to operate. Love it. Yeah. And just a side note. So you're like, you know, you mentioned like professional athlete, right? Obviously played in the NFL. And it's funny when I have guys and women, moms and dads who talk about their parenting journey, but then also talk about coaching their kids and parents would like come up on those people who play professional. Like, well, I think you should be doing it this way. The idea that sometimes parents like for some reason feel like 
I know it's best for my kid. Never played this sport, but I know what's going on. I love the fact that you have those three rules. Takes me back to my days when I, my basketball coach in eighth grade is work hard, play smart, and have fun. Those things, and it sticks by, it sticks with me. So I love how you, you have that. And I feel like because of just the way you look at life, I think you'll have an easy, well, it won't be easy, but I think you'll have a great answer. And now I feel like I'm putting more pressure on you, but talk about something that your kids have taught you about life or yourself that maybe didn't know was there, but once you became a dad, they brought it out. Wow, man, that, that is a great question. And I'll say this, you know, you think about unconditional love and as a Christian, that's what we're taught that, that God has that towards us in I don't think it fully made sense to me until I had children. Like there is nothing that they can do to make them not love them. Like, yes, I can be disappointed in them, but that's going to be fleeting. I understand that children, everybody is going to let you down at some point, but there's nothing that could make me not love those kids. And so I, I think that's a valuable lesson they've taught me, you know, patience, you know, when you're in professional sports, business, whatever you, you may be in, there it, it's high pressure and, and mistakes are amplified and, and you're so critical of them. And, and then you also um, have so many expectations of those around you with children. They teach you a next level of patience, I think. And, and I've been told before, don't pray for patience because God will test you in ways that will, that, that you don't necessarily want. So don't, don't, don't pray for patience. Uh, just try and live with patience. <laughs> So good. No doubt. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, especially too, when you're talking about like criticize, right? I feel like especially you, you played center for the Bills and you never got, I mean, sometimes if, if the Colin commentator was a lineman, they might give you a shout out, right? But the only time you get like on a highlight for the most part is if you mess up, right? But 99% of the time you're doing fine, you're doing your job, but you have that 1%, right? Where you're just like, ah. so the, the idea of you know, making sure that, you know, we don't dwell on the mistakes. I, I love that. And do you have like a dad hack or a piece of advice for new dads? Listen to this. Mm. You know, I would say just, just be a constant learner and, and understand, and don't necessarily put too much pressure on yourself to be a perfect dad. I know when I was first going to become a dad, I, I'm all in, I don't really do anything halfway in life. I had someone, you know, and then I was telling a buddy of mine, Hey, you know, I make sure that I'm there for all my girls dance practices I get there early so that she could see me and know that she doesn't have to wait on me and I was all excited and he said man you just you don't have to be perfect and and some of the things that are ingrained in you maybe some scars you have from childhood your kids don't have those and so at times we can put so much pressure on ourselves as a dad as a parent to be to be perfect and and look just like I said your kids are never going to be perfect you're never going to be perfect as well Love that. Thank you very much for sharing that, Eric. And you, you know, you, you talk about Louisville, like you went to that college, definitely known for their football and all that. But talk about the transition from there to the NFL. What was like the biggest hurdle for you? Yeah, I would say just going into the NFL, everybody's good. You know, no matter where <laughs> you played at in college, even if you played again at Alabama and you're playing in the SEC, you're going to have inferior opponents to where you go into a game and it's not as difficult as maybe some other schools you're playing against, whatever it may be. In the NFL, everybody's good. I learned that quickly, too, when our guys on practice squad, I came in and started as a rookie. Well, throughout the week, you're going against mainly practice squad players in practice. Well, the practice squad is comprised of your All-Americans from college around, around the country. And so you get 
great work each and every day. It's truly an iron sharpens iron deal on a daily basis. But man, going to the NFL, you have to bring it every single day, but you get exponentially better because of that and that that daily competition. Nice, man. And, you know, you played, like I said, in the NFL, um, had some, uh, you know, Pro Bowl, uh, obviously the Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee and all that good stuff. What are you most proud of of your career in the NFL? Because, again, the length that you played, a lot of people will see, obviously, Tom Brady, he's like, oh, look how long he's playing. Someone threw out, like, he's, he's played football more than, like, that's, like, the most thing he's done in his life. Like, he's past the halfway point of doing that, right? right? And a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, like, Peyton Manning, they're like, but the logistically, like the NFL average player is like three years. You played longer that, so it may be longevity, but what is something that you were like really proud of in your career? Yeah, and you bring up that longevity, and in my mind, I'd still be playing for the Bills if I didn't have the career-ending neck injury. And they're, you know, getting out of the NFL and transitioning out, you know, playing nine years. Everyone's got it in their mind when they first get in the NFL, I'm going to play 10-plus years. 10-plus years is the goal, and I, I only got the nine. Now, I was – so I had a contract that it would have put me in the league longer than 10 years. I was signed through 11 years, but, you know, God had different plans for my life. And, and I had that career-ending neck injury, but I heard a, a stat one time, there was only a thousand players in NFL history to play nine or more years. And, and I never want to be one of a thousand at anything, but when you consider the best of the best, only a thousand played nine or more years, it kind of put it in perspective that that I could be proud of of that tenure. I'll just say this. I, I'm proud that I didn't cheat the game at all. I bounced back from injuries. I gave it my all. I prepared as hard as I could. I was never a perfect player. I, you know, I came into college, I had one scholarship offer. So I wasn't this blue chip recruit that everything was given to, but I don't feel like I ever cheated the game. So then when my career was ultimately taken because of injury, I could I could have peace knowing that I never I never cheated it for one second and I gave them all. Love it. And, you know, playing in Buffalo, I, I grew up in Buffalo or my family's from Buffalo moved out there when I was sort of young, but like we go over there to visit relatives and all that, but I know sports is huge. I, and obviously you got the Sabres and even uh, the, you know, the uh, Bison's the uh, minor league team, but like the bills, man, they reign supreme. And obviously now people are seeing that, especially with everything that happened with DeMar Hamlin, you know, the bills mafia, I think it has been amplified and, everybody has been, you know, helping out with his um, foundation. But even before that, like, just talk about like playing in Buffalo and just how different it is. Cause everyone says we got the best fans. This is not like a popularity contest, but for you, what makes it so special about playing in Buffalo? Yeah. The fans, fans are a big reason, you know, the fans in Buffalo, it's almost got a college feel to where you have a smaller town. I believe it's the second smallest market in the NFL. So everything revolves around the bills and everyone's consumed by it. There's no beach right there. There's not a lot. It's not like playing in New York City. We're in this monster metropolitan area with so much going on. A lot of it revolves, you know, Sundays are about the bills. And so, you know, when you're out in the community, it's special, like how they treat you because you're a Buffalo Bills player. The fans are incredible. And, and look, Barstool and everybody else has blown up the jumping through tables. But that's that's such a small portion of the fan base. The majority of the fan base has the most organized tailgates you've ever seen. They would never dare jump through a table because then their Bills parking pass could be taken away because the Bills want to separate themselves from the liability that yeah. jumping through tables brings. And so it's, it's a special fan brace to play for. It's a special place to play in because 
me and my teammates and their families, we could be a lot closer. Most of us lived within max 15 minutes from each other. So we actually get to spend a ton of time with each other, as opposed to when you're in a, a big city, you might live 45 minutes to an hour away from one of your teammates and shoot, if it's rush hour, you might not ever be able to get to one of their houses. So it was a special place to play. It's still a special part um, of my life. I still call the Bills game. So I'm I'm based out of Louisville, Kentucky now, but I'm I'm there a ton still in Buffalo. And it, it it truly is it's it's a special town, guys. And you know a lot of people like when you when you, I'm like I said I'm a big fan of the NFL and just when you hear athletes are from all sports when they retire it's like they've been leading up to get to the, like that mountain of playing professional right and so you got there and then when it's time for you and you know in your case was the um, injury that kind of took you you know you away from the game that you love but you didn't stop there man obviously you wrote a book motivational speaker performance coach podcaster and all that where does your motivation come from like do you always feel like i feel like just when you retired you weren't like i'm gonna sit down and relax like i gotta do something how was the motivation for you sir well this applies especially to this podcast i used to always joke that man i'm gonna play 15 20 years i'm gonna be a stay-at-home dad after that well (laughs) I had never been a stay-at-home dad in my life. We found out quickly that I'm not built like that. I'm built. I always say I'm better busy than bored. And for me, you know, ultimately I'm not trying to waste the gifts God's given me. I'm trying to positively impact people. That's, that's my mission. I love to connect with people. And so whether it's the book, whether it's speaking, whether it's leading men's groups at church, whether it's through my foundation in Buffalo, whether it's calling games on the radio, doing media work, my podcast, whatever it may be, it all kind of falls under the umbrella of positively impacting others. And so trying to use my gifts to the best of my ability and and honestly still compete, you know, whether that's the golf course, pickleball, business, broadcasting, whatever it may be, there's a certain element of competition that that you you likely love if you've become a professional athlete, unless your talent, you know, just reign supreme and you could get by on that alone. Most of us are hyper competitive. And so finding avenues that you can still compete at in life is very beneficial as you transition out. Nice. Talk again, you know, you mentioned the book, uh, tackle what's next. Obviously it's kind of feel like you're always tackling what's next. Cause you got like, you know, you gotta be doing something, gotta be constructive. I love it. How long did like the idea kind of resonate with you to like start a book and what was the inspiration for you to write it? Uh, If you would have asked me if I would have ever had the guts or get over the imposter syndrome of writing a book, I I probably would have said never. You know, to me, I could tell you countless teammates even of mine that should have written a book before me. Ultimately, I started this podcast, What's Next with Eric Wood, when my career ended so I could learn from others, so I could pick people's brains, so I could be on the other side of the mic because I was always used to the one answering questions like I am here to be able to, to to sharpen my interview skills through the podcast. Well, I had been given so much advice through that podcast on making transitions in these big transitions in life that I felt like I could pass those on to others. Look, in Tackle What's Next, it's, it's my story initially, and it's my story of transitioning out of the NFL. Yes, there are sports stories involved and in, in stories from my life, but a majority of the content in the book is what others taught me and maybe how I applied it to my life or how others can apply it to theirs. And so honestly, it was a way of me honoring others, which then helped me get over my own imposter syndrome of who is Eric Wood to write a book. (laughs) Nice, man. 
And, uh, you know, one of the things too, is like, as parents, we can talk as much as we want, like be kind, help others. Well, you're walking the walk with your foundation. Obviously it helps holds a special place for you because it's honor of your brother. Talk a little bit about the foundation and how can people can help. Yeah, I appreciate that. So in 2014, I started the Eric Wood Foundation, which helped families that had sick children in Buffalo, in Western New York. I, I am very adamant about the money that you raise in a certain area should stay and benefit that area. And look, we were never going to raise enough money to cure cancer, or cure illness or disease, but we could really help out these families. My little brother was born with severe cerebral palsy, passed when he was 11 years old. So I had a firsthand experience of what kind of strain that can cause on a family financially, emotionally, you know, it, it, mentally, it, it causes a lot of stress. The, night, the divorce rate for children, uh, for parents of children with special needs is over 90%. And so the strain is on those families. If, in, if, if me playing in football in Buffalo and using my platform could, could serve these families and help them out, I'm going to try and do it. Recently, we made the switch and called it the Evan Wood Fund under Oshai Children's Hospital, which one, allows us to not pay administrative fees because we're just under the hospital. We utilize their resources, which is great. So I can stand up in an event and say every dollar that you donate tonight goes right to the families, which it, it, it always, uh, it didn't sit well with me when I couldn't say that or I, it wasn't true before and so um and then I wanted to honor my brother so forever I, you know I got to play football in Buffalo and people will know me you're from there you understand people people will appreciate me in the area because I played football there forever but now my little brother who could never walk talk or breathe on his own now he can have a lasting effect on these families and the children in Buffalo which is special to me Nice. What, like a brother legacy right there. Just not just for you, but for your brother as well. And that'll like, keep on going through, man. And again, I, I love the fact that, cause you know, we try and do giving Tuesdays here in our house. Right. And uh, not just like after Thanksgiving or during Thanksgiving, but like we try and do that. And you always wonder like, is, is all my funds going to the right place? And the fact that you, as someone who wanted to make sure all that stuff went there, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. So and, and, and let me say this, cause I, this is a, not a knock on other foundations, but on, on a national basis, if 60 to 70% of the money raised goes towards the cause, that's acceptable. And, mm -hmm. and because people deserve to be paid for their time, there's oh, yeah. time and effort that go into events that go into running the day to day, the taxes and everything else that goes into it. We're just fortunate that we became a fund under a hospital that that's paid for us. But those employees are paid by the hospital and we simply serve their families. Now, Buffalo just got a brand new children's hospital, whether it's illness, uh, special needs or cancer, everybody is under the same roof. So that was a perfect situation. And I always am hesitant because I don't want people to not be generous towards others because the majority of the time your, your funds are being stewarded well. Well, you see, you're looking from an optimistic sometimes. I was looking from a pessimistic standpoint. So well, thank it, you. <laughs> and we've all heard horror stories that those yeah. get amplified. Those horror stories get amplified in the media and I just want to, you know, on the optimistic side, most are ran correctly. Nice. One more question before I finish off with the father, quick five. So for you, you know, you mentioned uh, calling game for the bills. Is it so like, I bet like for you, like, are you, I know you got to concentrate on the whole field, but like you, you pay attention to special love to the offensive and de defensive line, right? <laughs> I do at times, but I also understand that I am speaking to, 
a football fan with football 101 knowledge likely which is which is great you can fully appreciate the game i do not need to bring a football 401 knowledge to a broadcast especially a radio broadcast where i can't sit there and draw things up for you talking verbally i'm not going to be able to create the visualization oftentimes to fully explain something and so i understand that people want to know what happened with the ball who's open down the field and all that so uh yes when i was watching film as a player i'm immediately draw to the line draw drew to the line of scrimmage now i i don't I don't flood the broadcast with that because I understand that the big boys up front, even though they are a vital part of the game, oftentimes, especially on the radio, that's not going to be something that hits home for everybody. But that's a great question. <laughs> no doubt, man. Thank you very much for sharing that. Now I got the fathered quick five. Favorite family movie? Do you guys have one right now? I would say the most played movie in our house is probably Home Alone, Elf second. You know, we get we hit Christmas uh, movies early, you know, starting in November. So I would say our kids are five and seven. And so there's a few choice words in, in Home Alone that you're like, Ooh, and you just hope that uh, hope the kids don't pick up on them. There's a scene where Kevin McAllister says, you big horses, a." Yeah. Yeah. But our kids thought that he said eggs, so it worked out. <laughs> <laughs> and again, that goes back to the innocent, innocent, innocent mind of a child, right? You just like, right. oh, I said eggs, You're like, all right, cool, yeah, that's what he said, right? Yeah, on the west side of Cincinnati at seven, I could have told you that he didn't say eggs. Nice. And I know they're kind of young, but is there any type of music or band or any type of influence musically that you have that you can't wait to share them, whether it's a band or an artist, whatever the case may be? Yeah, I'll say this. We, in our household, we generally listen to Christian music or country music. We we live on kids bop. You know, when the kids are in the car, that's what they want to listen to. And you know, they're not going to hear anything inappropriate there. Um, you know, sharing things with them. Uh, there's a guy named Benny the Butcher. He's a hip hop artist. And he did a song for the Bills called uh, the, the Bills Mafia Anthem. And I got to FaceTime with Benny the Butcher to my son from the Kansas City Divisional Round game last year because we we love that song in our household. It's got a good beat to it. And uh, and so that that was a fun moment. But musically, my daughter's first concert was Casey Ballerini. My, my wife took her to that. And I'm trying to I don't think my son has been to a concert yet. Now we go to a mega church in Louisville. So when our kids aren't in the kids area, shoot, they get to see a rock star band each and every week. Nice. Very cool. Describe the perfect family vacation. Where would it be? Oh, that's a great question. So for winter break each year, we go to Naples to visit my wife's grandmother. So we enjoy that. We enjoy the beach, you know, in Louisville, we get cold winters, we get all four seasons. So we get cold winter. So we, we like to go to the beach. Um, so I would say somewhere in Florida because it's fairly easy to get to and four to seven days of, hanging on the beach and just getting away nice and sometimes when you put this question is like when you put it out to the universe hopefully the universe responds back in a positive way obviously with your podcast is there is there an ultimate guest you would love to get on there and just doesn't have to be about sports or anything just talk about whatever you want to talk about that guest who would the ultimate guest for your podcast be so I have, I now have two podcasts. So I have what's next with Eric Wood and then I have the centered on Buffalo podcast, which, which is more of a football based podcast. Cause I wanted to separate the two. They were kind of blending and the what's next with Eric Wood. I wanted to keep that separate because similar to you on this picking fathers or parents brains to me, 
the what's next with Eric Wood is almost like a weekly coaching session for me to improve, no matter that's business or uh, coaching, performance coaching, or whatever it may be. You know, I wanted to keep that separate. I would say uh, Tony Robbins would be up there. And by the grace of God, I've been so fortunate to have you know, Ed Milet and Ben Newman and John Gordon, a lot of my favorite authors and speakers, I've been connected with them and, and they're fantastic. I, a year and a half ago, I probably would have said Ed Milet. Uh, I'm a huge fan of his, but I'll uh, I'll throw Tony Robbins out there now. Awesome. And again, uh, you know, just because this is a dad podcast, it's not a dad joke. Obviously, the art of fatherhood is because my name is art and all that good stuff. But like centered on Buffalo, like I love like that's that's perfect, man. Um and lastly, top three words you hope you, uh, your kids would use to describe you as a dad. What would you want them to be? Mm, that That's really good. Um, top three words. Fun. Loyal. And protective. Nice. Great three words. People, make sure you follow Eric on Twitter and Instagram at ewood70. Check out his website, ericwoodmedia.com for everything. And pick up his book, Tackle What's Next, wherever you purchase your books. Thank you again. I know you, like you said, you're a very busy guy as, as people can tell from all the stuff you got going on, but I really appreciate you taking the time to chat about fatherhood and all the good stuff that you've been doing in the community, sir. Hey, I, I committed to this before I even knew you were from Buffalo. And so playoff time is a busy time for me, but honestly, when I dug into this podcast, when the request came through, uh, I said, this is something I got to make time for because this is what I'm all about. So I honestly, it's an honor for me to be on there uh, on your podcast and be amongst the other incredible guests that you've had on. It means a lot. Thank you, sir. Absolutely. Thanks, Art. Thanks for checking out this week's edition of the Art of Fatherhood podcast. Please rate, subscribe, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. And also go to artoffatherhood.net. You can have a chance to check out some great articles like the weekly Dad's Doing It Right column, the Collector of the Week, and many more. Plus, you have a chance to win some very cool prizes like video games, collectibles, all that good stuff. Go to artoffatherhood.net and please make sure you rate, subscribe, and review wherever you listen to podcasts because I'll greatly appreciate it to get the word out on the Art of Fatherhood podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Art of Fatherhood podcast. Leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts and go to theartoffatherhood.net.